Hey everybody. Thanks again for joining us for today's SCF Online. So glad that you have uh, joined together with us today. And uh, we've been praying that today would be an encouragement to you, uh, a challenge for all of us. So welcome. There's an old Scottish proverb that says, confession is good for the soul. Um, that in Bible speak, uh, you know, in the words of James, confess your sins to one another and uh, pray for one another. And so today I want to begin with a confession. And uh, it is this, that over the last two and a half years, I feel that I have struggled um, in the area of uh, possessing and maintaining a thankful heart. I have found it difficult at times, not always, but at times and sometimes more than others to have a thankful heart, to possess and maintain a heart of gratitude. And this confession might seem, I don't know, like small potatoes or something, but I, I really want to have a thankful heart. I want to live a life that is characterized by gratitude. That's, that's how I want to be known. Um, in fact, I would be completely okay if that were on my tombstone. He was full of gratitude or he had a thankful heart. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be pretty thankful if that was how I was known and remembered. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about um, the last two and a half years, and I described it in terms of us having experienced a global trauma. And I'm really quite convinced that's an accurate description. And when you face uh, high stress situations, particularly when there's no finish line in sight, or when you think there's a finish line and it keeps moving, uh, and when you keep changing people's normal, and when you take away the things that they love and the things that they find life-giving, it's, it's traumatizing. And so, um, you know, having uh, come through these last two and a half years, so many of us are just feeling kind of tapped out, um, depleted. And last week we talked about some of the signs of being depleted, some of the symptoms of having experienced trauma. We talked about, you know, a lack of grace for irritating people. We talked about loss of creativity and short-term memory loss and shorter attention spans and feelings of exhaustion and diminished desire for human contact and high levels of anger and complaint and criticism. And just a general feeling off. And I think one of the ways I've experienced feeling off is this struggle with thankfulness. Again, not all the time and sometimes more than others, but just a difficulty in possessing and maintaining a consistency in terms of a thankful heart, a difficulty in expressing gratitude. And I want to be a grateful person. I want to be one who possesses a heart of thanksgiving. And of course, um, you know, these, 
these last two and a half years, um, it's not like the only thing that's been challenging is a, is a, is a global virus. Uh, that certainly was challenging and all of the stuff that went with that. But, you know, I think it was um, maybe about two months into COVID. So, you know, COVID hits March of 2020. And so in May of 2020, that was when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis. And of course, that sparked global outrage and conflicts and protests uh, over racial injustice and um, social injustice. And um, also in the last two and a half years, there's been so much uh, political conflict, uh, left versus right, and lots of outrage and lots of protests over um, any number of things and all kinds of divisive rhetoric and and a, and, and a demanding of rights and a how dare you. And so this polarization, uh, man, it's, it's been tough. Uh, it's divided families, it's divided friendships. It, in some cases, it's even divided churches. It's been a tough stretch these last two and a half years. You add to that, um, you know, next week will mark seven months since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. And even watching that from, man, from a distance has been horrifying and just so uh, difficult. You know, tens of thousands of people dead, including precious Russians and precious Ukrainians and others. And not just soldiers, but children. Um, elderly, you know, tens of thousands of, of people um, dead and thousands of families devastated by this. And of course, millions um, displaced and homeless. In fact, homes have been utterly destroyed. It's been a tough stretch these last two and a half years. And add to that, you know, minor inconveniences like supply chain uh, issues or, you know, global inflation uh, being high. And I think in all of that, one of the effects that I have experienced, as I've said, is a difficulty at times and sometimes more than others, a difficulty in feeling grateful, uh, a difficulty in expressing gratitude and being thankful. And so one day as I was uh, talking to the Lord about this, saying, God, I just, uh, man, I want to have a thankful heart. I didn't hear this audibly, uh, but it was pretty unmistakable. God said to me, but you haven't asked me for a thankful heart. You haven't asked me to give you a thankful heart. And so I prayed and I said, God, you have given me so much. But would you just give me one more thing? Would you give me a grateful heart? Would you give to me a heart of thanksgiving? And so today, um, and for the next four weeks going forward, I want to invite you to journey along with me as we look into the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to show us about 
uh, us as followers of Jesus and this matter of being grateful, this matter of having a grateful heart, this matter of being uh, full of thanksgiving. And so for today, the phrase that I want us to kind of grab hold of today is a phrase that's in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, and it is this, overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. Let's look at that phrase in its context. So this is Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. Paul says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, just the same way that you came to Jesus for the first time, that's how you walk in him. That's how you live in him. And how did we come to Jesus for the first time? We came with hands open that were empty. We had nothing to offer. We came in need. We came needing Jesus, needing his grace. Uh, we came um, in complete and utter need of his love and, and grace. And that dependence and that utter need and that thankfulness is how we're to walk in him always. And Paul goes on saying, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And so Paul is writing to this church in Colossae, to these Colossian believers. They've come to faith in Jesus um, as a result of, you know, we heard from our scripture reading just a few moments ago um, that these Colossian believers came to faith in Jesus as the result of the ministry of a guy named Epaphras. And uh, Paul mentions Epaphras in chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul uh, speaks of Epaphras as a faithful servant, as a minister of Jesus. It was actually Epaphras who um, uh, planted the church in Colossae. He is the one who um, established it there, and he actually pastored the, the Colossian church. And now here is Paul writing to this Colossian church, which Epaphras, Epaphras um, established, and Paul uh, basically saying to them, hey, uh, Colossians, because of all that Jesus Christ is, and because of all that Jesus has become to you, here is what ought to just utterly characterize your lives as followers of, of Jesus. And it is this idea of overflowing gratitude, a grateful heart, a thankful heart. And so here uh, in uh, chapter 2, verse 7, with this phrase overflowing with gratitude, kind of the idea that Paul is uh, kind, of, he's kind of painting a picture in a, in a way. And he's basically saying, um, you know, hey, Colossians, when people bump into you, what ought to spill out of you, in addition to many good things, what ought to spill out of you is thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude. If I were to, um, I've got my coffee cup here, so if I were to, uh, it doesn't have coffee, it's got water in it actually, but if I were to walk around uh, the office all day uh, holding this cup of water, and if uh, uh, Evan or Dave or Ken were to accidentally bump into me, what would spill out of this cup is water, because it's filled with water. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so similarly, Paul, 
is saying, really saying to the Colossian believers, and he's also saying to us that when life bumps into us, what ought to spill out is gratitude. What ought to spill out is thankfulness and thanksgiving. Here's the, the principle. Um, it's this, what we are filled with is what will come out when life bumps into us. When, what we're filled with is what will come out when life bumps into us. So if we're filled with bitterness, when life bumps into us, what's going to spill out is bitterness. If we're filled with ingratitude, then when life bumps into us, what's going to spill out is complaint. So if we're filled with jealousy, if we're filled with envy, you know, it really doesn't take much of a bump for what is in us to spill out. And so Paul says to these Colossian Christians, he's saying, I want to ensure that your lives as followers of Jesus are marked by, characterized by gratitude, thankfulness. In fact, Paul mentions this a number of times in this book of Colossians. He talks quite a bit about thanksgiving and gratitude. Let me just show a few examples of that. So this is chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul says, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Joyful thanks. And then, of course, our phrase in chapter 2 and verse 7 is overflowing with gratitude. And then again, here is chapter uh, 3 and verse 15. He says, always be thankful. Always. Not sometimes, not most times, not many times, but always, always uh, be thankful. And then chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts, with thankful hearts. Here's chapter, uh, no, this is, uh, sorry, chapter 3 and verse 17, giving Thanks to God the Father through him, that is through uh, Jesus. And then uh, here's chapter 4 in verse 2. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. You know, so uh, regardless of what it is you're praying for, um, whether it's praise because of something that you're just so thankful for, or whether it's pain, um, lament, whatever it is we're praying about, we pray with a thankful heart. The um, Greek term that Paul uses um, here, so in chapter two and verse seven, uh, he uses that word overflowing. Well, the Greek term that is translated overflowing is a it's, a, it's actually a fairly common Greek word. It is the word parasos, parasos. So the word overflowing, overflowing with gratitude, that word overflowing is parasos in Greek. And parasos means to superabound, to be in excess, to excel. Paul uses this uh, word parasos um, quite a bit in his writings. Let me give you just uh, two or three examples of how uh, Paul uses this same word uh, elsewhere. So here is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Paul writes, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding, parasos, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. First uh, Corinthians 15 is, a, well, it's a brilliant chapter on resurrection. And uh, we sang about that last week. We sang the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Well, here Paul in this chapter is saying, because Jesus lives, because he's defeated the grave, he's defeated death, he's defeated sin, he's defeated Satan because Jesus is alive, because he's alive, uh, we can face tomorrow steadfast and immovable and always abounding, super abounding in service to Jesus and serving Jesus by serving people, serving Jesus by serving his church, serving Jesus through our generosity, serving Jesus through acts of kindness and, and, and so on, knowing that it matters. It's not in vain. It matters. And so that word always abounding in service is the same, uh, same verb, parasos, that's used in Colossians 2.7, this overflowing, this superabounding of gratitude. Here's another verse. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Paul writes, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And so here Paul is telling the Corinthian believers that as God's grace reaches more and more and more people, there will be more and more and more thanksgiving, which will result in a superabounding of God being glorified, a, 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 an abounding of glory uh, that's expressed and given to God. This same verb, parasos, is used uh, in John 10.10. 10. These are the words of Jesus Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, parasos, and um, life that is superabounding. That's life in Jesus. And so, you know, we want to be really clear here that, um, you know, Paul is writing to these believers in Colossae, and he's making it very, very clear that it is because of their union with Jesus Christ that thankfulness, gratitude, is to overflow from their life. So we've got a very simple outline uh, that we're just going to walk through uh, here in these next few minutes. Um, the foundation for gratitude, a distinction about gratitude, and then thirdly, the expression of gratitude. I just want to walk through these uh, three points quickly. But you know, I just want to pause and, um, and ask God to help us as we just touch on these three things. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, it is true. And I pray that even as we think about these three things concerning gratitude, that you would help us to have uh, open eyes and an open mind, open ears and open hands to receive what it is that you have for us today. Father, I pray that um, what we need to know you would teach us, what we need to jettison from our lives, that you would shine a light on that. 
where we need to grow and become more like Jesus, would you reveal that to us? And the Spirit of God, I pray that you would, in these moments, illumine our minds as to the value of your truth, the efficacy of your beautiful words to us. And so we take the remainder of this time as we just walk through these points. We just take it and we give it to you, asking that you would have your way in our lives in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first of all, the foundation for gratitude. Um, we, we looked at a phrase in, in Colossians 2.7, overflowing with gratitude. The foundation for that is in the verse prior, which is verse 6. And in verse 6, we see this phrase, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's the foundation for gratitude. Now, that phrase takes us back uh, to chapter 1 and verse 6, because that's where uh, we see the description of the Colossians coming and receiving uh, Jesus as Lord. So this is chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says, The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. In other words, what Paul is describing here is what we might say is the conversion of the Colossians, their coming to faith in Jesus, their salvation, their born-again moment or experience. What Paul is not describing is simply some um, external shift from being irreligious to being religious. Paul's not merely describing some superficial um, adjustment from you know, bad behavior to better behavior. No, what Paul is describing here is something uh, much more fundamental than that. You know, Paul's basically saying, hey, here, here you Colossians were going this direction, and then all of a sudden Epaphras uh, showed up in your town, and he began to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ that it was Jesus, uh, that, that all the prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to, that, that Jesus was the one who was despised and rejected by people, that it was Jesus who went to the cross as our uh, Passover lamb, the lamb of God, um, to take away the sins of the world, that it was Jesus who bore our sins in his own body on the cross, that he gave his life for us, that he rose again to new life. And so Paul invited the, the Colossians, or Onesimus, I, I guess more precisely, uh, invited them to you know, come to Jesus in repentance and faith, and that if they did that, they would experience um, being at one with God, reconciled with God. They'd be right with God. And so a lot of people from Colossae did that. They came to faith in Jesus they heard the good news message of Jesus and they understood God's grace. They understood that this new life in Christ, this abundant life that Jesus offered, this forgiveness of sin, this new start 
Well, it's a gift that we receive for free. That's grace. It's undeserved. It's God's undeserved favor given to us. And you know, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to take anything for granted and make any assumptions today because I never really know who all is engaging with us in this uh, digital SCF online space. So let me just ask you uh, today, have you heard the good news message of Jesus? Have you understood the grace of God? The good news message of Jesus is that Jesus came to reveal to us the love of the Father and that he displayed that most extravagantly on the cross where he gave his life for us. He took your sin, he took my sin upon himself and he gave his life for us. And he rose again to new life. He was raised from the dead, validating that in fact he is the way and the truth and the life. And so have you said yes to Jesus? Have you received his gift of grace for free? Um, if not, you can do that right now. You can do that. You can do that right now. You can say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. When the Bible talks about being a sinner, I know it's talking about me. And Jesus, I believe that you bore my sin on the cross. You gave your life for me. And I wanna say yes to you, Jesus, to a personal relationship with you. I want that new life. I want that start. I want that abundant life that you talk about. So I'm in. You express that to Jesus from your heart today and he will revolutionize your life. Paul talks about these Colossian believers um, before they said yes to Jesus. Here's how Paul described them before they said yes to Jesus. He says, once you were alienated from God, far away, far away from God, in fact, Paul goes on in this very same verse to describe them as having been enemies of God, alienated, far away, enemies of God, running in the opposite direction to God, all the while shaking a fist in God's face. But he says, you know, the good news is that's what you used to be. Once you were alienated, but now you've been reconciled. You know, elsewhere, Paul will say, once you were in darkness, but now you're in light. Elsewhere, Paul said, once you were trapped, you were enslaved, but now you're free. Elsewhere, Paul says, once you were dead in your sins, but now you've been made alive in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is not merely people making their best effort to revamp their lives. What Paul is talking about here with these Colossian believers is not just them trying to turn over a new leaf or make a few changes or to, you know, engage in some self-help. Um, you know, sometimes I, I chat with people and they talk about uh, wanting to make some changes and, and to, to revamp their lives a little bit. In fact, sometimes I will hear people say, you know, I want to be more thankful this year than I was last year. And I will say, good, 
That sounds like a really good thing. I'm sure if you're more thankful this year than you were last year, your wife is going to be thrilled with that. Your husband will be thrilled with that. Your kids will be uh, thrilled with that. Your parents will be thrilled with that. But what we see Paul describing here in Colossians is not merely a group of people who decided to make some changes. It's not merely a group of people who decided to revamp. It's not merely a group of people who decided to try harder. No, Paul's describing a group of people whose lives have been absolutely revolutionized by the good news of Jesus and the power of the grace of God. Once they were enemies, but now they're reconciled, not because of their own efforts to revamp. No, it's because of the power of the gospel of Jesus to, to utterly revolutionize a life from the inside out. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be converted, to be saved, to be born again. And that, Paul says, is the foundation for gratitude. And you know, one of the real um, indicators that a life has been revolutionized by Jesus Christ is this overflowing gratitude because of that connection to Jesus. It's so important that we understand that. Um, if we don't grab that, then you're going to hear me saying things that I'm actually not saying. You're going to go, okay, well, Higginson said, you know, we got to be more thankful, got to be more grateful, uh, got to be less ungrateful. Uh, and that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what Paul is saying here either. Paul is saying, you know, because you have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, because you have understood uh, the grace of God and you've been reconciled to God, even though you were alienated, now you're reconciled. You were in darkness. Now you're in light. You were in slavery. Now you're in freedom. You were dead in sin. Now you're alive in Christ. That is the foundation for gratitude. That's the, um, that's the catalyst for this expressing of, uh, of gratitude. Well, if indeed uh, that is the foundation for gratitude, and it is, um, does that then mean that only Christians can express gratitude? Well, that brings us to uh, point number two, which is this, a distinction about gratitude. I mentioned uh, last week in our family chat that I've been reading um, about the life of Jonathan Edwards, um, a fascinating character, a preacher, a theologian, um, a evangelist of the 1700s. And um, Edwards, in his writing, wrote about natural gratitude versus gracious gratitude. He made a distinction between these two things, natural gratitude versus gracious gratitude. And so Edwards uh, described natural gratitude as that which anyone is capable of, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. So natural gratitude is just this kind of natural appreciation for life's good gifts, an appreciation for life itself, for health, uh, for employment, for you know, a, a comfortable bed, for a, a cold drink on a warm day and a warm drink on a cold day. Um, you know, just a, a, a natural gratitude for, for sunshine and so on. And all of those things are, you know, wonderful gifts that can um, make for the potential of a grateful heart. It's natural, right? Natural gratitude. 
And Edwards then describes um, gracious gratitude as something that has a different starting place. Like natural gratitude, he says, you know, starts with stuff. It starts with the stuff that we are given. It starts with the benefits that we have received. But gracious gratitude, Edwards says, starts with God himself. Gracious gratitude is tethered to the character of God and not to the ups and downs of our circumstances. Gracious gratitude is not tethered to circumstances, it's tethered to character, namely God's character, to his love, his holiness, his power, his goodness, his excellencies, regardless of any favors or benefits that we may receive. And so gracious gratitude recognizes that I have reason to be grateful whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. I have reasons to be grateful to God, whether it's raining or sunny, whether I'm employed or unemployed, whether I have cancer or I'm cancer free. That's gracious gratitude. It's tethered to the character of God. And it's one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian. So gracious gratitude, Edward says, starts with God. And you know, when a Christian expresses gracious gratitude in all circumstances, that is one of the, just the real indicators of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person. It's seen not just in what they say and not just in what they do, but there's something that's just there in the demeanor. It's, it's almost seen in the face. It's expressed in the countenance, this, this expressing of gracious gratitude because of the character of God in all circumstances. Well, that really brings us to point number three, which is this, the expression of gratitude. So, you know, the foundation for gratitude is the good news of Jesus, having heard the good news of Jesus, having understood the grace of God. That's the foundation for gratitude. And when we grasp that, um, we can literally, as Christ followers, live out the truth of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. We don't have this on a slide. You can look it up, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then it says this, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. When we um, understand the good news of Jesus, of new life in Christ, and when we say yes to Jesus, when we understand that it's a gift of God's grace, that is a foundation upon which we can express gracious gratitude, and we can do so in all things. That's how thankfulness could overflow even in a pandemic. That's how thankfulness and gratitude can overflow even when the news from the doctor isn't good even when life is overwhelming. The follower of Jesus can overflow with gratitude. The 
The follower of Jesus then can face illness and disappointment and bereavement, unemployment, difficulty, infertility, sorrow, all with this awareness that God is working in all things for his ultimate glory and for our ultimate good. Well, when we express this kind of gracious gratitude, um, it does at least four things for us. Number one, it turns our eyes to God. When we express gratitude, when we express gracious gratitude that is tethered to the character of God, it gets our eyes off of ourselves and off of our circumstances and it fastens them on God where they really need to be. The second thing that it does is it defends against the enemy's lies. You see, when you are facing challenging circumstances, the enemy's agenda for you uh, and, and what he would want to try and manipulatively uh, deceive you with is that you should just despair. You should distrust God. You should doubt the character of God. But what happens when we uh, choose to give gracious gratitude in that moment, Satan flees. He doesn't hang around for that. In fact, you know, think of the words of James, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And one of the, the very uh, chief ways of resisting the enemy is by choosing to offer gracious gratitude that is tethered to the character of God in all things. Well, thirdly, this expression of gratitude protects from pride. When we express gracious gratitude to God, it just, it, it just uh, jettisons from our life the vocabulary of pride. It jettisons the language of, um, you know, I deserve better than this. I deserve more than this, or I don't deserve this. That gets just completely discarded when we choose to express gracious gratitude. And the fourth thing, it allows us to rest in God. Expressing gracious gratitude allows us to rest in the realization that the loving purposes of God are being worked out both in situations that are pleasant and painful. You know, you think of it, it's, it's, it's really no big deal uh, to express gratitude when things are just all pleasurable. But it's only by grace that we can learn to overflow with gratitude in all things, in all circumstances. And that doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean some fake it till you make it kind of attitude. It's not plastic. It doesn't mean we deny that life is in fact painful and difficult but it's still this overflowing of thankfulness in the difficulties because our gratitude is tethered to the character of God and to the power of Jesus and to the power of his grace. Jonathan Edwards um, died as the result of a vaccination, uh, a smallpox vaccination. And when the news of his death reached his wife, Sarah. She wrote a letter uh, to their daughter, and, and here's part of that letter. She says, my very dear child, 
What shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Now keep in mind, this is the 1700s. Uh, this is a, a good example of, of Reformed theology. I am not particularly Reformed in my theology. I, my opinion is that Reformed theology tends to give God credit for some stuff that I think really uh, the credit ought to be given to the enemy. Uh, you know, Jesus in that parable of the, of the weeds said, speaking of the weeds in the wheat, he said, this an enemy has done. But I, I don't want to quibble about uh, Reformed theology today, um, or any day for that matter. Um, what I want us to see here is, is really the honesty of Sarah Edwards as she pens this letter. Notice the honesty. God is holy. God is good. But this is really hard. Like there's no superficial triumphalism here. There's no, oh, well, uh, he's gone. Let's just sing a couple of worship choruses and get on with life. She says, a holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. But he has made me adore his goodness. That we had him, uh, speaking of your father and my husband, Jonathan, for so long for so long. And you know what? He died at age 54. That's pretty young. And so the fact that she says for so long um, is a kind of an indicator of just how thankful she really was. She goes on, but my God lives and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy my husband and your father has left us. We are all given to God, and there I am and love to be. Man, what a letter from your mom on the death of your dad. You know, where does that come from? That's not natural gratitude. In fact, natural gratitude is utterly repelled by that. That is gracious gratitude. That is, God is holy. God is good. This is so hard. But my heart is tethered to his character. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess together today that you are good. You are love. We thank you for your character. We confess Father, those times where we have tethered our gratitude to circumstances rather than to your character. And I know I've done that, and that's resulted in some of the ups and downs in my gratitude coming and going as circumstances ebb and flow. But today, would you help us, by your Spirit, to be determined to tether our gratitude to your character. Having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, having been revolutionized by the power of Jesus, and having understood the message of your grace, that we receive this new life as a gift for free, may that enable us to overflow with gratitude.
In Jesus' name, amen. See you next time.